five in the eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is Hello, it you? And a very warm welcome to episode 0334 of Five in the Eye. It's me, Michael Okajura here. As a regular listeners know, this is the show on Cultural Radio where we pick five stories and news that have caught our eye. Some serious, some more lighthearted, and we take them apart and reassemble them. Right in front of your eyes or ears. And this is Phil Woodford joining Michael via Zoom this week and welcoming a very special guest. He's an old pal of Michael's from way back when, making his debut on the eye. It's Simon Denman. Hi there, Simon. Hi, Phil. Hi, Michael. Yeah, it's great to be here on um, Five in the Eye. And I can reveal our top story this week is going to be the emergence of Omicron variant. Um, the coronavirus uh, variant discovered in South Africa. Um, and um, we're going to just look into, are we are we treating South Africa fairly here or are we shooting the messenger? Five in the eye. For our second story, we turn to Barbados. In a ceremony earlier in the week, the island nation transformed itself into a republic and bade goodbye to the queen as head of state. How many of the Commonwealth nations may follow suit? That could it ever happen here in the UK? What's story number three? Well, back in the early days of the web, which Michael and Simon claim to remember, there was an edition of the tech magazine Wired that made some eerie predictions of the future. We check just how accurate they've proved to be. And for number four, we ask whether it's possible to steal someone else's cookery recipe. An article in an American newspaper suggests a possible crime wave. Is it a big crime wave or possibly just a microwave? I'm fired this week to finish the show. The pressure is on for us to have a less consumerist Christmas. Should we consider giving secondhand prezzies? Not your old socks again, Michael. And that's this week's Five in the Eye. Five in the Eye. We're going to kick off the show this week with, for me, was... uh, when I first heard it, I was really shocked. You know, an, another virus, an, another form of the virus that's got the, has got potential to spread. Um, you know, it just made me think, just as we thought it was it was finished, it isn't. Because we were always told there'd be variants coming on. But then, then as I got to understand more about this particular variant, it was discovered in South Africa. And immediately, South Africa has been isolated along with a number of countries in, in South Africa. In, in Southern Africa, because that's where they think the virus came from. And they couldn't be more wrong, because what they're doing here is that they're shooting the me- messenger. Because South Africa has got some of the, 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 the world's best, best, best virus analysis and, and I can't even say that, like entomologists in the world. You know, the world, the way they're on the TB and AIDS. So they were looking for these things and they were just reporting. They'd found it. They'd found, they didn't say it was widespread. It was spreading in South Africa. They said it just found it. Yet the world immediately says, finger in South Africa, bang, we're going to lock you up. We're going to shut you down. And that was just outrageous. So look, Phil, you know, I know we, we, we've discussed this um, coronavirus many times on, on the show, but this is one instance where uh, I don't think we're going to be in an ultimate agreement here in the sense that, um, the fact that they should have, they shouldn't have shut South Africa down. They shouldn't shut Africa down so readily. There was other other suspects had it before before it was in Africa. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is a really, really vexed kind of question. The the I can understand the the sentiment in South Africa. They're saying, look, 
Uh, we are the ones who've discovered this. We've been completely transparent about it. Don't punish us for uh, bringing this to your attention. Uh, but the backdrop to this is, you know, also very vexed, isn't it? Because um, let me give you an interesting statistic, Michael, or an interesting fact. Uh, Taiwan locked its borders to flights from China on the 31st of December 2019. OK, so this was before most of us were even thinking about coronavirus. One of the reasons Taiwan has done better in the pandemic is precisely because they did take that um, action. You may remember that when the um, alpha variant emerged in Kent, um, that a number of countries started refusing to accept travellers from the UK. So it's actually it's actually happened to us. It emerged there. We put, we could, we, what South Africa? There was no, there was no cases there. They'd found a, they'd found a version of it. So in terms of the cases, there was more. There was cases in Israel. There was cases elsewhere before they were in South Africa. So this is what this is what so I find so outrageous. And I'm, so, so I'm you come in the moment, but I've just got to make yeah. the point here. This is the, they're taking the easy option. Let's just put the finger on um, on Africa. You know, easily done, and and the, ignoring the fact that. They need to vaccinate the world. It's not just these wealthy, these these, these rich countries of the the, the 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 global north. The global south need to be vaccinated, and rather than rather than isolating Africa, they should be embracing it, get, get, getting them vaccinated, rather than doing this. This and in some ways, I think it's just a publicity stunt. It but, definitely is. I mean, in my my first reaction was very much, oh look, you know, he's actually he's actually he's actually done the right thing at the right time for once, yeah, yeah. you know, that was my initial reaction. Then when you look into it, you say, well, actually there weren't that many cases. Um, the, 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 this is just where they happen to first sequence it because they've been doing all the, you know, they've been doing this sequencing as you explained. And, um, no, I think it's very it's very clearly a case of Boris not wanting to say, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me again for being slow. And here's a chance. He he's weighed up the possibilities. All right, I can I can annoy the South African trading partners, um, or I can I can but I can I can I can come across as saying, Hey, I've done something quick. We've acted decisively. And um, and that's I think that's what's happened. It's a publicity stunt, or it's you know he, on the one hand he 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 can't be accused of of dragging his heels on this one because that is precisely the criticism that's been levelled at him um, by everybody since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, but it's just unfortunate for the South Africans. This is this is the problem. I mean, you know, we were we were criticised very heavily for the fact that we didn't shut borders yeah. when people were coming back from continental Europe, from Italy, from Austria, from ski resorts where there was yeah. COVID. Oh no, come back in. It's all mm -hmm. fine. Don't stop the flights from China. Um, remember the Johnson variant, Delta that came from India, the accusation was that we were so interested in a trade deal with India yeah. that we weren't prepared to stop the flights. And the government was roundly criticised, wasn't it, mm. for its failure to act. Yeah. And yet when it does act, it's roundly criticised for the yeah. fact that it has. And so it can't win, can it? No, no. They, can, they can, you know, because it's all about let, vaccinate the world. Let's get that moving. We're going to mm. get that sorted. Rather than this, this um, publicity stump, the optics, it looks good. It, on, on the stage, on on the, the Boris seems to be in control, and it's not in control. Look at this, this nonsense about 
can he save Christmas? Is Christmas on the line? And we don't know. We, what he's he's no. going against some of his own advisors who say, I mean, and that's the that's the key point. We just don't know. So I mean, this is it's we don't know. I mean, we suspect, or they rather, the scientists suspect that it's more transmissible. There's the, it has a very large number of mutations. Apparently, there's like thirty mutations on the spike protein alone, and that's the bit that the vaccines recognise. So, there's also a good chance that the vaccines won't be as effective against it. Um, but we don't know that. Even that is not not known. It's not known how transmissible a bit. It's not known whether it's has worse. Um, um, you know, uh, a worse effect on our health, wh- whether it makes people sicker than the previous vote. We don't know any of this stuff, which is why the America said, okay, we, let's wait until we know more before we start banning banning whole countries. And, and then well, Although got, it's, you know, true, it's true that lots of countries have taken action to, to stop travel. And some countries, now this is an interesting point, Mike, I don't know what you think about this. Japan and Israel Rather than targeting South Africa specifically or Southern African countries, Japan and Israel have just said no one's coming in at all, um, and that's another potential way of dealing with this, isn't it? To say mm. we're not going to single out particular countries no. for the point that you made um, or about the fact that you know we don't want to penalise people unfairly, but. Um, would it not be a good idea to say actually international travel generally is a stupid idea when new variants are on the loose? Well, when you look at look at the figures, look at the, the number of infections in in the UK is it forty thousand a day? In look at, in Germany, there's an equivalent figure, maybe even more. So, but if I was Japan, I'd be suspect. I'd be you know, wary of people coming in from from Germany or England, but they're not. They've chosen. Okay, okay. They've they've Japan has shut the world down. Good on them, I think, in some ways. But at the same time, we've got to get on with this. Mm. And what's been consistent from the start? What the what the, the advice has been? Locking the borders isn't going to work. It's not going to work. Is it? Because it'll get in. We are human beings. We'll they'll mm. find a way through some third and fourth countries. People are coming to to England via Ireland. You know, flying from from Dubai into Ireland, finding nefarious ways into the country. They'll always find it in. So it's about magic treating the problem, hmm. and it comes back to you know. I'm being the refugee situation. We we are, we are attacking the refugees on our border here. We're locking our borders. We're not going back to what caused the refugees in in Afghanistan, in Syria, and elsewhere. We're not attacking that problem. And the same here. We, you know, we, we're putting this border up rather than attacking the problem in Africa, even though Africa's got less less COVID than than Europe and the Americas. But we still need to, they, they still need to get the, vac- the vaccinations there. So it's outrageous that they should put put the borders up and and restrict the, the, the vaccinations of the people there. No, we should give, in some ways, it's an incentive. We should be doing more of it, get more more vaccinations. In, into Africa. I'm completely on board with the, the vaccinations and, the, you know, the adage that we've talked about before that no one's safe till everyone's safe. I completely, completely agree with that. Um, we've got to get on with vaccinating the world. China's seen an opportunity because they promised a billion vaccines to Africa. Um, and, um, and, and they're stepping in where um, maybe uh, the United States and the European Union and the UK have failed. I'm tempted to say they promised after they delivered. I want to see the delivery programme I'd like to see what they're actually doing on the ground before I'm, I'm fully committed on, on China's. Um... And, it, you know, it's not just an altruistic thing because, of, I mean, the, the, I think there's, I, I read somewhere that there's a chance that, um, you know, the, 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 the 
place where the where where the virus can perhaps mutate um, in a sort of most aggressive and uncontrolled way is in sort of immunocompromised um, populations, and you know, with the there's a high percentage of untreated AIDS in Africa as well. So that's, but I mean, I, I don't know if it's been proven, but that's potentially, you know, uh, uh, um, going to create problems for um, for future variants. You know, exactly. as a sort of incubation hotspot for future variants. And, and as, as as Phil said, you know, we're not safe till we're all safe. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's outrageous here. I just want to make one finish on one point. There was um, uh, a diplomat and um, running the who's in charge of of the campaign to 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 have Africa vaccinated, and she spoke most forcibly about the lack of leadership in Africa over this. Nobody in Africa was speaking out, you know, in anger. No 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 African leadership. They kind of accept this, which is outrageous. And maybe it's something we should return to on five and eight. The lack of, I was going to say moral leadership, the fact of taking the moral high ground, because they could have, African leaders could have taken the moral high ground and, and pointed the finger at the West, you know, talking about the fact that they need to do something here. This is not the way to, to respond to this. You need to come here and get these vaccination programs running rather than shutting it down. Because as you say, Phil, we're not safe, we're all safe. Live in the eye. Story number two this week also has an international dimension. And same kind of issues come up about power imbalances, colonialism, all kinds of interesting stuff in relation to Barbados. Because Barbados earlier in the week, they held a ceremony which Prince Charles attended, which was um, a handing over effectively of the uh, the head of the head of stateship uh, within Barbados to uh, elected president. Barbados is going to become a republic. So um, it was a big statement um, from a nation. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think the population of Barbados, maybe a quarter of a million, something it's like about that. About 300,000. But, you know, a pr- very proud, uh, very proud island nation. Rihanna was there at the ceremony and she was given uh, an award in recognition of what she's done uh, as a worldwide celebrity figure. So it's like Barbados maybe uh, asserting itself and saying, look, we no longer want to be the remnants of a colonial empire. Uh, We want to be a proud, independent uh, nation that sets our own agenda. Um, I mean, listening to Vox Pops and so on on the TV, which I'll be honest with you, is my only kind of insight into the way people think. There seemed to be a little bit of a generational divide with younger people very keen on this whole idea and maybe some of the older generation perhaps a little bit more tied to some of the traditions of uh, of connection with the with the UK but they're moving forward what did you make of this michael i thought it was just brilliant we've moved on we've, we've got, this is really this is this is de- literally decolonization in, in in action here the nonsense of having to go to a court in a, th- a third country in another country because you don't have the authority in your own country to take someone to court or pick the circumstance when well, your head of state lives in another country, just nonsense. You want your own, your own people looking after your own people. I think I love about this. The president is a woman. You know, the prime minister is a woman. And that, that, that um, Maya Motley, wow, what a woman. 
she speaks so much sense. And even in the pandemic, she was talking about Barbados's future because their future, um, tourism is a big part of Barbados's um, economy. But she's saying, look, we've got something that the world wants because people want to come there. They want to live there rather than work in London. I know some of my friends did go and work in Barbados because they were open to it. Because imagine, you know, you can um, scuba diving in the morning mm. with turtles, you know, cocktails <laughs> cocktails in for lunch and then do work in the afternoon. In the, in the sun, it's a brilliant lifestyle out there. So yeah. they got something special, <clears throat> really special. And, 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 and Maya, Maya Motley kind of was, was big in up total respect for what they're doing. And as I say, I, I, I'm a little awkward. I had the pleasure of being going there a year or so ago, a couple of weeks there, found a couple mm. of weeks there researching my family history because I'm part Barbados. My, my grandfather's from Barbados. No, it's a lovely country, lovely people. And I, could I, you could you run for president there, Michael? No, I, no. <laughs> the short answer is I've got to, I've, my family tree has to be complete to make that connection. That's part of my, my own personal challenge and my own, my own family history. But it is the, uh, he came, came there, he was, he, was, he was what known as a silver man. He came to Liverpool via the Panama Canal a lot of Barbadians went to the Panama when when the sugar economy collapsed at the uh, in the, the, the in the 19, 19, 1910, 1920, 1912. They had to go elsewhere to find So no, I think I think it's, it's excellent. So you know, uh, Simon, is, is this on your radar? Is this of interest? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. It's certainly of interest. I mean, you know, I think the um, I don't know. I mean, the, the the whole the whole thing about about you know. Britain acknowledging, um, you know, acknowledging the uh, the atrocities of of slavery and so on, um, which has never really happened. I think that you know they, they sort of say you know they talk about regret for the past and you know uh, and these sorts of things. Apparently, they're not allowed to say we apologise because then that would open the floodgates for legal challenges and, and what have you. But, but you know, give him his due. Prince Charles taught was an atrocity. He did. Yeah, he did. Which I thought was great. When we compare what, what Cameron said, Cameron said, get over it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I was I was quite surprised when I listened to mm. Prince Charles. I mean, he, he really he really did kind of say the right things. The yeah. moment, whether whether how sincerely felt they are and whether you really believe that the royal family could ever, uh, you know, make a, 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 a statement about the terrible things that went yeah. on in the past that actually meant something. I don't know. But he, he seemed to go through the motions of saying the yeah. right thing, didn't he? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's true. I you, think, know, you know, getting the same out of the politicians would be harder, probably. But exactly, exactly, because they've got, perhaps they've got to put their hand in the pocket if they say these mm-hmm. things. Nevertheless, I think he sets, a, he's, he's put a marker in the sand there. They said, look, this is, this is, this is how, this is how we feel, or the royal family feels about him. So no, I, I was, I was impressed. I was yeah. impressed. I tell you what, I wasn't impressed by. I saw a couple of notes from on, on Twitter. People said, I'm not going back to Barbados again, not getting any of my money. That's terrible oh. what they're doing. Is, you know, come on, man. Get, yeah. get real. You know. <laughs> but I mean, how is how, so how was, question, question, question. Hmm. carry on. Sorry, sorry, Simon. I was just going to ask a question uh, to both of you, really, which is is this going to be a trend? I mean, are there other countries that still yeah. have the Queen as a head of state that might look at Barbados and Jamaica, say, I guess, is the next one as the I mean, Mauritius, Mauritius did it back in 92. They, they were the last ones um, to fall. And, and then um, 
so yeah, Jamaica, I guess, is the next potential, wouldn't you say? Definitely, I guess, I guess it's, it's, it's an emotional process. Because I guess to your point, Phil, you know, there's an old school who familiar with the um, with the structures that the royal family gives them to, to a society, and in some ways, you know, you, it, it, it's proper old school the way you know the way the society was structured, and it drifts into colorism in terms of the lighter skinned people at the top of society and the darker skinned people at the bottom of society. And there's a lot of that goes on in in uh, in, in Jamaica. So I, I can see I, I can see them, the older people having you know, their benchmark. And I, I, I think of my own mum in this sense, because she loved the Queen. And then, then what, and what, 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 what she stood for in terms of Britishness, honesty, decency, fair play, mm. these, all these ephemeral um, attributes that are that, that coming to be in Britishness. Mm. So, so there's an old school that I, I know, and as I'm just saying, my mum was part of it, that would cleave to the, uh, the royal family and what they stand for. Yeah, she hoped she hoped for Sir Michael over Jury, didn't she? But didn't oh, ha- you know, do you know that I, I've, you've heard me say this many times? Ha- hasn't hasn't quite happened yet. When it does happen, when, when I do, when the knock comes, I get the, you know the brown envelope from the palace. You know, I'll, I'll take it definitely because my mum, my mum would be so proud. <laughs> it, it would have meant a lot to her. Five in the eye. Story number three this week, uh, Michael. You spotted didn't you, a, um, an article that had been resurfaced on Twitter, which was from Wired magazine back in the 90s. And the weird thing about this was that it had predicted um, a number of things for the future that seemed to be eerily accurate. Um, and that when we when we look at some of those predictions now, we think, hmm, perhaps they had a bit of a crystal ball. For instance, let me just give you an example um, of, of a couple of the things in this Wired article. Tensions between China and the US escalate into a new Cold War, bordering on a hot one. Um, what about the idea that Russia t- develops into a kleptocracy run by a mafia or retreats into quasi-communist nationalism? That was the one that really struck me out of all of them in the sense that that's exactly what Russia is doing now. With, with the, it's the home of all these ransoms, these 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 uh, these Bitcoin ransoms. They're there. These people are walking the streets. We know who well, they are. The FBI knows who they are. But 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 and obviously that they're not they're not being deported by um, Putin. Either, and he denies any of it. But it's there. And then when you look at the way the the the, the things they do on the internet in terms of undermining economies, like they did in in Ukraine, where where they tend they fiddle with the power. So they switched off the power, and 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 also, so they are a nefarious organization on the on the internet. Although they're, they're not a, a global power as they once were, they 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 kind of um, the the the, the what be flippant say the fly in the ointment. I could there there are more coarser analogies I can think of, but you can you can understand what I'm saying. They are they are um, a challenge. I'd say the other one that got me was about there was one about. Um, our personal information, we get a bit frustrated that we've given up too much, that we we walk back from it in the sense that, uh, you know, with what's happening with, with Facebook and Google, they, they know that they, they will know too much and they will take us too far. And to say, so the people, the users will say enough. And that's what, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying it's happening in great numbers, but there's a significant number of people who say, 
who aren't on Facebook that I know, purposefully not on Facebook, who don't like using Google because you know, their sense of being uh, of, of, of being monitored. Simon, was there any, was any of the caught your right? They really said, "Well, that 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 rings a bell." Yeah, and I mean, it's it is it is uncanny. You're right. Um, I, I mean, I think the technological ones are perhaps easier to easier to sort of get right because you know, 20 years ago, they you know the internet had. Was kind of happening, you know. You, you go ten years, make predictions ten years be, before that, and it's it's harder. But um, I mean, you, you know, you and I were selling modems just as the whole thing was kicking off. So we were um, we started. We, <laughs> yeah, it's all it's all down to Michael and me. Um, <laughs> yeah. but for, for younger for younger listeners, modems were ways of accessing the internet over a telephone line, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Really. But the um, yeah, I mean the, the the political things are I thought were you know were interesting. That 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 probably is, requires more prescience. Um, yeah, I mean you could say i suppose well look you know russia by the 90s I mean, this article was what 1997 uh, by mm. the 90s the sign of the rock you mm. know in in russia was we'd been through the yeltsin uh period uh, which was a kind of fiasco uh and there were already probably quite strong signs of uh, the oligarchs taking control of uh state industries and so on i mean i'd need to i'd need to go and check my history to be sure of the time frame but i'm pretty sure all of this was already in motion and you sort of wonder yeah maybe actually that p- perhaps more of this was obvious at the time than we than, than we might have probably thought. It, di- it, it did predict a a pandemic <laughs> of course we shouldn't we shouldn't forget that that was uh, that was on the list too yeah uh, but then i suppose people had long been predicting pandemics and all of us felt well it's probably never going to happen uh we, we, we'll get away with it i guess there's also the point that i mean people have been making predictions you know since the year dot and we we only tend to hone in on the ones that get them right don't we so you, know, you don't say hey look at this guy he made a prediction 300 years ago and it was completely wrong <laughs> it, it, that doesn't sort of uh, you know pique our interest it's it's the, oh look he got it right nostradamus or Whoever it is, one of my favorite predictions, and this is, in fact, it's from the nineties. Remember, I should have kept the newspaper. Portuguese scientist says world will not end next week. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you want if that if you really want a prescient uh, prediction, go go online, check out the YouTube video Arthur C. Clarke in nineteen sixty four. Yeah, talk, talking about the internet. Uh, and he doesn't call it the internet, but what he describes is the internet and the uh, the idea of people being instantly connected around the world, people doing telesurgery, all kinds of stuff. And it's almost creepy yeah. uh, in its accuracy because there he is in black and white. And so you do occasionally get these people who do have some almost sixth sense of what's mm. to come, perhaps. No, it's not sixth sense. They're just, they're just aware of what's happening. And, and Sam, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot now because you're, you're, you're still in tech. You're still writing about tech. You Yeah. Yeah, yeah, doing things in tech. Give us, a, give us a few. You know, ten years time. What's happening? Is AI? Is it? Is it? Are we going to be being looked after by robots? Hmm. We'll have no work. They're doing it all. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a very real chance. I mean, I actually spend quite a lot of time thinking about, um, you know, the AI. Yeah, it's it's weird, you know. The the you know, it seems like the, the you know, even those that research it are, are split on this. You know, there there are those that are very worried about the basically an artificial general intelligence um, emerging, and and you know, once it emerges, it'll very quickly get much more in 
intelligent. Um, so it'll it'll surpass you know human intelligence. But, but you're right. So you, you we right to say that it would never replace radio presenters. Is that right, Simon? Maybe. Statement there. We're higher levels here. Simon, I have an intellectual conversation yeah. in terms of AI intelligence. Because my, my big thing about AI is this: How do you pro- program a robot to win a war? Hmm. By you know, when there's one person left standing, you've killed everything on the planet. The planet's destroyed. But, but this is the this is the key issue. It, it's it's the they call it the alignment problem, which is it's it's figuring out you know whether the goals of your AI are, are aligned with 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 our best interests. You know, and that there, there was there's this um, UK. Uh, philosopher and mathematician whatever nick bostrom who wrote this this um, paper and he, he used an analogy of this sort of, you, you give it a, a task as simple as um producing paper clips you know you you know you, you tell this to work out the best and most efficient way of making paper clips and it it goes ahead and decides that you know it runs out of resources and it decides to turn the whole planet into paper clips you know i mean it's it's a silly trivial you know, example, but it's one way you you set off with one particular set of goals, and um, you think that they, it, you know, it's completely harmless. But if you if you're not very very careful and in terms of aligning its goals with 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 those of humanity, then then you could run into some serious problems because you know it will get to a point. I I, I do I do believe that AI will get to a point of of equaling and then very, very quickly surpassing human intelligence. Yeah, human different. intelligence. Hmm. But human intelligence is complex. It's emotional yeah. part of it is emotional. And it's it's transactive, it's reductive, it's it's it, it's not it, it, it it's not a calculation. You know, it, 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 not everything that makes us human, but it, it, you know, in terms of in terms of problem solving, and and you know, I I, I don't know. I I, I think <laughs> I would rather. I I mean, in in some ways, I'd rather put our fate in the in the hands of a a, a benevolent robot dictator than a <laughs> than 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 the sort of you know the the, the current. I mean, look at the COP twenty six. You know, no, they can't agree when to go to the toilet. You know, it's it's. Uh, but I, if you put COP twenty six in 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 the hands of robots, they'll probably just produce paper clips. <laughs> Quite possibly. Well, the world okay. is safe in the hands of robots. Then is that is, is that is that your is that your prediction, then, Simon? The not if we don't. Not if we don't solve some of the some of the problems now. You know, we should think about it because it, whether it happens in ten years, twenty years, or even fifty years time, it's going to happen. You know, and and it, it, it's going to have a huge impact on on humanity. It is already starting to to some degree, but <clears throat> at the moment, it's very limited, obviously. Well, on that profound note that the planet's going to be taken <laughs> over by robots, we're going to have uh, robots running the planet. <laughs> oh, it just it doesn't bear thinking about. Why don't we want to story number four? Five in the eye. I've read this headline. I'm still reading it. Don't get my head around it. It's the idea of can you copyright a recipe? Yeah. And it, it, my first point is yes, of course you can. Hmm. You know, if you put that those magic ingredients in the right proportions, hmm. that's your that's it's got to be yours. But apparently, not. Hmm. You cannot copyright a recipe. You know, just, yeah, this, was, this was an article in the New York Times, wasn't it? It, it? it kind of talks about situations where people have 
suddenly seen their prize recipe being uh, printed or published somewhere else, and they feel essentially it's plagiarism. It's been would probably think, well, um, how many you know how many recipes are truly unique and. Um, uh, can you absolutely claim it never been done before? Look, but hang on a second. We've all got our signature dishes. I've got my signature dish. Simon, you got a signature dish? That one uh, you, only you know how to cook it and, and your family just love it. Friends love it. People come around just for your signature My, my dish. wife has many, but no, I'm, I'm not so talented gastronomically, culinarily. But, but, but I'll tell you there's a signature dish in all of us. You know, we, you know, it may, it may be beans on toast, <laughs> but you know, it's the way you, way you do it that makes it special. So you know, as I'm challenged here in the sense that it should, it seems unfair that you can't copyright something. You found a way of making beans on toast. Just other people don't know. Yeah, I mean, if if you were if you were kind of Salt Bay, for instance, you talked about one of the previous shows, maybe you'd sprinkle a bit of gold dust onto the onto the baked beans on toast, and that would be your unique baked beans wouldn't it uh, and then if you saw someone else promoting the baked beans on toast with gold dust you'd say well hold on a second my lawyers will be on the phone to you somehow phil i don't think you're taking this seriously these these are these, these are important issues you know copywriting your men your your, your um your, your food but then when you think of these these really high-end restaurants you know helman bluster uh, what's his name Hem- heston blumenthal, heston blumenthal. blumenthal. Yeah. and, and they, they're using oxygen and different kind of gases as, as they put these things together, you know, surely, that, surely that's copyrightable. You know, the fact that you yeah. create an environment, an ambience where you have this meal. And you can, it's only when you have it in that right environment. So you, you, well, you're having fish and chips and they're blowing sea breezes up your nose. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think um, the, the sense I get is, is that it obviously is um, copyrightable, but it, but it, it just isn't. If, if, if that, if, it, it, so nobody's nobody's t- i mean it's like it's like patents for example you know some you know people have 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 um you know there's a patent office that looks at these things and keeps records and you know if you infringe someone's patent they can come after you you know it's the same with music you know if i if i compose a piece of music and um and and you know you you then come up with something that's got pretty much the same notes in the same order and the same rhythms but you change a few bits and pieces i can still go after you and say no that's that's infringing my copyright but but for that i guess there needs to be some sort of body that recognizes this and i i see no i see no fundamental reason why cookery or recipe shouldn't be the same i think it's just that perhaps it that that framework hasn't evolved to protect um you know chefs and and cookbook authors so you've got um you've got the copyright the patent office and the copyright authorities and people manage this whole process and so you're right it it does seem odd we haven't got that for food yeah 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 in your version of bread the the, the other thing that strikes me as strange is that if you were a commercial operation you could maybe uh trademark a brand related to the food Food, I'm, I'm thinking, or the you, you package the food in a particular way, give it a name, and you can probably protect that, can't you? But if you're someone who's a, a home cook or a chef and you publish a recipe online, can you protect it against someone just lifting it and nicking it and calling it their own? Maybe that's rather harder. But um, 
We will have to move on to story number five. Tasty though this discussion has been, it's time to consider our final story of the week. Five in the eye. Right, we're coming up to Christmas and um, we are being encouraged, of course, to think ecologically. And Christmas is a time of great consumerism where we uh, buy lots of stuff and we eat lots of stuff and so on. What if we gave secondhand presents? What if we recycled old stuff and presented it to our loved ones for Christmas? This would win the plaudits of environmentalists, wouldn't it, Simon? Um, do you Could you see it happening at Denman Towers that, that um, <laughs> when... Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I you think it's unwrapped a, your present. It was something that you recognised, maybe that had been recycled. I think so. I mean, you know, I mean, there's always there's already sort of been a trend in sort of environmental presence where you know you you give somebody a, a share of a turtle or a dolphin or whatever it is, you know, and, and you know the, these sorts of things that aren't aren't even anything that you can physically unwrap. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is consumerism is a is a problem, and um, but then again, I don't know. You, 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 do you, when when your when your kids unwrap that special toy, you know, if it's if it's um, been pre broken by some other little horror, <laughs> and it's not going to generate the same joy. But Sam, come on, we've we've always said recycle, recycle, recirculate. Yeah, the kids' toys. So I mean, okay, maybe you know, the, the broken ones. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, no. We do. I mean, I, you know, I get, my kids get pocket money, and um, they, they've 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 realised quite a while ago that you know, but they they actually get a lot more for their pocket money if they go if they um, if they look on Mum's eBay, and um, you know, they can find things that would you know normally cost three times as much. And they're, they're dead happy with it. They're dead chuffed. They don't care that someone else has been playing with it, as long as it's not too broken. And they're fine with it. First, when I looked at this, I thought, oh, this is nonsense. But now I think about it, no, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Because I've, 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 I've bought a couple of things from um, charity shops. And just, you know, when you go to your, when I, when I you know, time, if I, if I, go, I go to Teddington and Richmond, there are these posh charity shops. Where the, you know you got the Armani suits and the Gucci <laughs> Fiorucci shoes and stuff, so you get some very designer stuff at mm. great prices, yeah, pre-owned, you know, yeah, yeah. and you're doing your bit for the planet in terms of recycling. So no, in some ways, maybe you should turn it around, make make it mandatory this Christmas, Christmas presents. The family got to be secondhand. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's no, there's no doubt, you know. Just I know it's story number five. Just to be serious for thirty seconds, the you know. Christmas is a huge um, op- uh, obstacle to to environmental sustainability. I mean, the whole thing, hmm. nothing about it is sustainable. It's a period of excess where we buy loads of stuff, we give lots of stuff, we eat and drink to excess, we decorate to excess. And, so, and this is all part of being human. But if there are ways maybe of making Christmas a little bit more eco-friendly, maybe we should consider them. Michael, I like the look of your headphones, actually, I have to say. So if you were considering sending a gift to, oh, no, no, to no, Milford no, Towers. No, I'm going to say, you know, I've repaired these headphones. You know, the, 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 got the, the, the ear defenders got all tacky and mucky and worn out. I, I, so I, I, I replaced them. 
So I think replace it, that's part of the same curve of buying second-hand prices, but playing and fixing things. Mm. I mean, to your point, Phil, I think this is this is just in with the times now. We're just going with the times. These and some people perhaps people should expect a second-hand presence or a recycled presence, you know, rather than going out and buying something new, you know, because we we do to your point, Phil, we do consume too much, particularly at Christmas. So maybe this way reeling it back. Five and, uh, in the eye. Give him some second. Give him some secondhand stuff. I'm gonna give that some serious thought. Hand about the commentary here on Five in the Eye. Although that you're on fire, Phil. You're on fire. Thanks so much to my old friend Simon Demmer for joining us here today. It's been a, it's been good fun. Thanks. Um, hopefully you'll have me back sometime. Yeah. For now, this is Simon Demmer signing off and saying goodbye. And this is Phil Woodford also bidding you a fond farewell and reminding you to check out our Facebook page for the stories we're considering next week. And this is me, Michael O'Hajura, saying, as ever, if you have been, thanks for listening. See you again soon. Goodbye. Five in the Eye with Michael and Phil. It's news, but is it new?